Hello and welcome to the Deep State Conscious Podcast. I have Simon Small back today. Simon and I recorded a conversation about his spiritual journey a few months ago, and we left out deliberately one important aspect of that journey, which was Simon's interest in science fiction. So this started out with Simon finding science fiction as a way where the kind of deep philosophical and spiritual questions he was interested in as a teenager were being addressed, a form in which he could explore that, and ultimately led to his writing and publishing his own book, Star Pilgrim, a story of the deepest mysteries of existence, a, a spirituality meets science fiction book. Simon. Hello. Hello. Hello to everybody who's listening. So um, I want to get to the book, but I think take us back to you as a, a boy, a young man who has this, these philosophical questions that we, uh, we, we touched upon last time and we touched upon how you were sent along to the Christian church as a, a child and a teenager yes. and found that unsatisfactory in meeting that deep yearning for whatever it was within you. But I know that science fiction was a place that you did find some uh, meeting point there. So can you tell us about what was on your mind, questions-wise, about life, the universe, and everything, and how science fiction met that? Yes, um, it's interesting. As I get older, I realise that uh, we only understand our lives looking backwards. And uh, as a child, I realise now, I had a, a burning interest in the biggest questions, the meaning of existence. Why is there anything at all? And these questions set my heart on fire. Uh, I, I realise that isn't the case with everybody, but it was certainly the case with me. Uh, so, I, so when you say, as a, to kind of just interject, Sam, when you say um, you realise now, did you not? Did it not occur to you at the time that this was a bit of a different avenue to be going down? No, because uh, when you're about eight years old or ten years old you just tend to presume everybody's like you. Mm. So I can remember riding my bike when I was, I think, 10, and it would be around that age. I can even remember where I was on a particular corner uh, in, a, in a town where I grew up, and suddenly thinking, I wonder what time is, and having a long internal philosophical dialogue about the nature of time, and deciding that time is change. And if nothing changed, there wouldn't be time. And I can, around that, that period also, remember really going very deeply into whether if I wasn't in a particular place, looking at it and observing it, did that place actually still exist? Uh, and for me as a, uh, a child, these were natural questions to ask. Uh, I realise now especially uh, that wasn't the way with everybody, mm. the way with me. But I was brought up going to church every week. But what is really interesting looking back is that even though I had this, this, this great, what you might call spiritual imagination, it couldn't find expression within conventional religion. Mm. And the, where it did find expression was within the whole genre of science fiction where this, this burning inquiry inside me met something that seemed to answer it. And it was to, it's something to do with imagination 
and, and calling and vocation. I don't know what it was, but it was in science fiction somehow that, that my mind exploded and, and took off with these kind of questions. So what kind of sci-fi were you drawn to, the particular films or comic books? And, and can you give examples of how in them these kind of questions will be explored? Um, you must, uh, you've got to understand we're going back a very, very long time. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And uh, the first science fiction book I remember reading was War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Mm -hmm. And it was my a, a set book for my sister, who's older than me, from her school. Mm. And I remember finding it lying around, and I could only have been about eight or nine, and reading the whole thing from cover to cover, and just being blown away by it. Uh, obviously, there was things like Doctor Who, but in some ways they were a bit too simple. Mm. They didn't really address these kind of questions so much. But then, very quickly, I got into things like... Um, Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, um, E. E. Doc Smith, who nobody would have heard of now, who wrote something called the Lensman series. Uh, there was stuff on the television, although it was much more limited then because there were actually only two channels, which is an extraordinary idea now. Um, Star Trek came along, obviously, uh, but I very much remember. Uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson series called UFO mm -hmm. in the late 60s and early 70s. And of course, there was the amazing 2001 A Space Odyssey, which for me is one of the greatest films ever made. It's absolutely amazing. I watched it last night for the first time. Didn't ah. know that it was one of your favourites. Yeah. yeah. What um, did you make of it? I think because it's set like 50 years in the future or so from when yes. it was made, it, it's almost like relatable that you could, I can imagine that 50 years from now, the world might like be like that. We might have man missions to Jupiter and we might have this, um, you know, like these reasonable size space stations, but things are still, it's not like Star Trek where they have, you know, you switch on the, the gravity device and you're all walking around normally. You have to walk on the floor, with sticky shoes that, that do it. that and, and the yeah. human beings are left very similar to human beings on earth they don't go through this kind of shift into being like super futuristic humans who have are all very morally virtuous and pure like in star trek say so yeah um, i thought that was um relatable and interesting it also struck me that cinematically it must have been incredible when that film came out I mean, I, nothing like it. I always saw the Star Wars as being the first film that was like, whoa, and you couldn't see the strings anymore holding the yes. models up, which you can see on the first Star Trek film, but Space Odyssey was prior to that. And then there's, um, in some ways, I didn't know what to make of the themes in it, because it, 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 there's a suggestion of human beings becoming more technologically advanced, but staying the same in other ways. Yeah. Um, and the, the thinking of the, we're going out and becoming the masters of the universe uh, and our technology getting the better of us. And then there's this theme of something else, something very ancient in it as well, in the stone tablet that's found. So it's sort of whirling around my head at the minute and it's a hard one to, to come down and say, oh, that's what it was about. And I think it's baffled people ever since, really. Yeah. Arthur C. Clarke said that fundamentally it's about evolution that's really what the whole story is based around. So not only do you have the evolution of human beings from prehistoric times 
up until another evolutionary shift at the end of the film. But you also have kind of the idea of the evolution of artificial intelligence because yes. you have the computer called HAL and that's kind of going on parallel to the whole thing. And it is an extraordinary film. If you think it was made, what, 60, nearly 70 years ago now? Uh, Mid-60s it was made. Um, and I, I still watch it and find, I find often if I can't sum up a, a film very easily, it means there's some very deep ideas going on in it that yeah, I haven't yeah, quite grasped. Yeah. And it still affects me like that. Yeah, and it does feel like at least 10 years ahead of its time. Yeah, uh, cinematically and contain themes that came back in films like Westworld later on about our technology attaining when does technology attain sentience and yes and you know are we going to run into all sorts of problems with that of a conflict with them so what but what would be the kind of the questions you're raising about the nature of time okay yes. about um such issues. Where, where do you find where what where did you find sci-fi engaging of those particularly of the kind of deep mystery? Can you can you remember experiences of looking at sci-fi and and being touched in that way? I think that particularly when one is younger, one absorbs themes and ideas without necessarily being aware you've absorbed them and you're processing them, and you can't really articulate them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, in our kind of culture, we kind of expect people to be able to articulate this stuff. But actually, the, the ability to articulate these kind of big ideas, a lot of the time, is a surface thing. But really, it's going down deep inside what we are and moving around and changing how we view the world and how we view the universe without just necessarily knowing why the shift is occurring. And that's when these ideas are extraordinarily powerful, I think, rather than just ideas at an intellectual level. Uh, but for some reason, I was always absolutely entranced and hypnotized by the concept of other forms of intelligent life, uh, which, of course, permeates much of science fiction, the encounter with aliens, you know, to use the, the, uh, the word we're all used to. And for some reason that just transfixed me and i had to read those kind of stories because it was it was speaking to and touching something inside me and enabling me to to process it a little more and articulate it a little more uh and that's still a very big theme for me in many ways that we are we are not alone as uh, sentient beings intelligent spiritual sentient beings uh and that there is contact and that there is interrelationship with other levels of being as well, even if we're not necessarily always consciously aware of it. And that's something I've always had. And science fiction, it was one way I was able to explore that. Okay, so in a lot of science fiction, as I see it, aliens become a projection of different aspects of humanity. Okay, so... Um, in Star Trek, for example, the humans, by and large, take on this kind of moral and spiritual purity, and our our warlike nature is projected onto the Klingons, and our um, our sense of arrogance goes to the Romulans, and our sense of greed goes to the Ferengi. Um, yes. Or in in films like Independence Day, the the endless stream of films about the alien invasion theme, 
we yeah. project our fear of the other onto aliens and the, the classical gray alien is, is the kind of projection of a fear of um the cold clinical psychotic personality type that's just sees has no sense of emotion but just um sees human beings as something to be experimented on so uh, when you talk about connection to alien life do you or, or aliens in in, sci- in science fiction do you are you suggesting it in that sense as an exploration of the archetypes of the self or or something different something that in some way i can't explain has a reality to it so that when i watched 2001 and there was this idea that human evolution had been nurtured had had been guided by some unseen extraordinary uh, other intelligence over vast spans of time it seemed to speak to something within me and one of the one of the reasons 2001 is so powerful is that uh, what that intelligence is what that presence is is never made clear it is so alien and so beyond that in a way it can only be um symbolized by a black rectangle mm. And that's part of the the symbolic power of 2001. The other film that also uh, touched me deeply was Close Encounters, mm-hmm. third kind as well, which again, where the aliens are are really other and alien, but again, the their motivation seems to be to guide and to be alongside with and to enter into relationship with. Um, but we seem to have moved beyond that now into an era where uh, the other must always be uh, violent, must always be an enemy. And again, that is very much a projection of ourselves, I'm sure. Would you say that your own interest in aliens then is something of a projection of the deep self beyond the kind of super, more superficial archetypes you would find in, in Star Trek about human vices or conflict? What I would say is there's something in me knows that there is a reality to this and it, it searches for a way to explore that deep knowing that gnosis um, and these kind of stories are one way to go more deeply into that uh, and so for me it's, it's not just about psychological archetypes or symbology there is a reality there somewhere which every now and again I have a little taste of I just touch slightly and I'm aware I'm in relationship with something, but it is a, a frustrating uh, relationship, uh, which only occasionally kind of comes to fruition for a brief time and then it's gone again. Okay, so to ask you about the Star Pilgrim novel then, did you always feel you would write sci-fi at some point or when, when did the idea arise? I always wanted to write a novel and I, uh, because of my great interest in sci-fi, it was almost certainly going to be a sci-fi novel. But it was something like most of us, so I kept putting off for most of my life. And I, I didn't start it until I was in my early 40s, having been intending to write it from about the age of 10 onwards. And I literally didn't know how to start. So one day I sat down at my desk with a microphone and a dictating machine and decided just to start talking into the machine and what came out 
And what came out was, um, in the early part of Star Pilgrim, there's a funereal procession where some monks are taking a body in ancient times to, to bury. And the first thing I saw was a cross kind of moving backwards and forwards. And then the picture expanded to the cross being carried by these figures with hoods over their faces. And I just started describing that. And that's where Star Pilgrim started with those visualizations. Okay, so you hadn't thought of a plan of how it would go. You you sat down and went into the imagination, and this is what you saw. It just let the imagination, uh, the deep unconscious, express itself. Um, to actually write Star Pilgrim took 10 years. Uh, for one thing, I'm bone idle, and I kept having long breaks from it. Uh, but for another, that I, I just kept working at the book without knowing where it was going. And then one day in an absolute flash, I knew how the book was going to end. And so I went off and wrote the last three chapters, uh, which are the last three chapters as they stand in the book now. Mm -hmm. And then went back to the 50,000 words I'd already written and realized I had to rewrite it all. So I had to dispose of 50,000 words and then start again taking some of the themes from that early work, but work up to those last three chapters. And that's how the book came out. Uh, and that whole process took 10 years. But I tried to always work from the unconscious, from the deep imagination, whilst providing a very loose scaffolding to kind of hold it. Mm. And what I found is, as I trusted that, the story uh, meandered about all over the place beautifully and surprised me as I was writing it. Um, there is a character in the book called Leola, who's an elderly lady who was meant to be in two paragraphs. And she ended up as one of the main characters in the book. And as I wrote, I was completely surprised by what was happening. Uh, and so in, in many ways, Star Pilgrim is also a, an exercise in letting the imagination just go. And being and looking kind of in awe and wonder at what comes out. Um, one of the eerie things was that when I started it in 1999 and I finished it in 2009, and on, on the day I actually finished it, just out of interest, I flicked back through the, the computer files to see when I did that first original writing with the cross kind of waving about. And it was exactly to the day 10 years before. Wow. which was rather eerie and spooky. Uh, I don't know what it means or if it means anything, but it literally was exactly 10 years. Did you find it's a transformative book to write a transformative process because you're representing the opinions in the book of, from various different perspectives on this initial yes. alien contact with Earth? So there's the Joseph the priest, who's the, the central character, but also you have people representing different perspectives on religion, uh, people having different reactions to the arrival. How did you find it allowing those different characters to emerge through you? Uh, I found it wonderful because I wanted to explore the whole scenario from from every direction. Mm. Um, and uh, so it, it was about getting into a particular character and then just letting them go and see what comes out. Um, when you write a book like Star Pilgrim, it's always been within you. 
but but it's it's you you I'm a bloke, so I really probably shouldn't use this analogy, but it is like giving birth, I suspect. Mm. There's always something being there, and as it comes out in all its its multifaceted nature, you think, ah, oh, yes, there it is. That's what it was all along. And that's what the whole experience of, of Star Pilgrim was like. And could you talk a bit about the kind of spiritual philosophy you tried to express through the book? Yes, the spiritual philosophy I tried to express in the book can be summed up in one word, and that is mystery. Mystery in capital letters, in neon lights, you know, flashing on and off if you want. The basic premise of the book is very simple, that we live in the midst of an unspeakable mystery. We do not know what this moment is, or why it is, or what it is, or what we are what the meaning of this is we have no idea what's going on and it's that eternal central question that is at the heart of star pilgrim and the way i've tried to explore it is by saying that here is this extraordinarily advanced alien race so far beyond us it's almost unimaginable yet for them that question is still there yeah no matter how advanced scientifically you get or philosophically, even if you can travel to the edge of the known universe, you will still have to look around and say, what is this? What does this mean? So the alien race is a race whose civilizations reach the point where they realize that's the only question that matters. They're no longer interested in technological advancement or whatever it is. It's this question dominates what they are. And one thing they've realized it is that in order to penetrate that question, uh, they have to enter into relationship with other races and other beings who have a different perspective, a different key for getting into that central question. And so they, they come to Earth in order to, if humanity wishes, to engage in that quest of that fundamental ultimate question. That's what, and that's what's at the, the center of the book amidst all the plot and everything that goes on. So is there a, a statement there about a pluralistic outlook within human society that to engage with the mystery, we need to take different, because I know I noticed throughout the book, as well as the aliens using the human perspective, um, you have Christians and pagans and people who are into different forms of different kinds of spirituality. So there's a sense of, different perspectives being needed even within the human community to engage with that question of mystery. Yes. In, in the great mystery, what one has are kind of little torchlights of this particular tradition and that particular tradition. And perhaps this tradition, the torch is a bit bigger and a bit brighter, but they're still shining in the, the awesome darkness, the dazzling darkness of, of this mystery. But as they come together, so more light is shed. That's the idea. And this, this is, again, very much at the heart of, of what Star Pilgrim is about. But it's a coming together in mystery. It's people coming together and saying, I have no idea what's going on. I'm drawn to this path. I'm drawn to the path of druidery. I'm drawn to the path of, of, of the Jesus tradition. I'm drawn to that path. But coming together 
with a humility which is generated by seeing that path in the in the context of this that extraordinary mystery that kind of embraces everything yeah because i suppose there could be the hope that if you want to get away from mystery okay that at some point it will end right at some point we go oh it's this and having the aliens in there with their high technology who are really what sets them apart is not that they've overcome the mystery but they're in some ways more aware of it than the yes characters. because they they've taken uh what we would call uh civilization to its ultimate point and found it's a dead end in terms of science and technology and philosophy because the mystery is still there so they're no longer distracted by any of that stuff and what is hinted at in star pilgrim is that actually you to uh, begin to open to this mystery isn't to understand it at an intellectual level or to stand apart from it it's that you actually have to become the mystery and you finally answer this ultimate question of the mystery of existence by becoming the mystery itself it's a different way of knowing it's a knowing by being and as, as I suspect many people who watch this podcast will know that's the ancient word for this in the Christian tradition before is Gnosis. Mm. It's a completely different way of knowing. And that's what the story is, is pointing towards. And um, what kind of reactions and responses have you had? Cause the book has been out, I think it's six years now. Eight years eight now, years. I think seven years. I've lost yeah. track. Um, when it speaks, some people don't get it at all. Mm -hmm because the mystery of existence isn't something that seems to matter to them and that's that's fine um but when people get it they really really get it and it becomes a, a almost an addiction as one lady i know who at last count had read the book 12 times because it was and speaking to something in her as science fiction had spoken to me when i was a child it's having the same effect on on her so, so it is, it is like Marmite, you know, people love it or they kind of can't get it at all, uh, which is great because I, that's the kind of book I wanted to write. Hmm. A, a book that um, took people to the edge if they were ready to go to the edge. One of the nicest things that's ever been said to me about Star Pilgrim was somebody said they read it and then they looked out of the window and realized that the world looked like a very different place to, to what it had before yeah. they read it. Yeah. And that's where, as I was saying earlier, where a story goes in deep and it changes the way you see the world, but you don't quite know what's happened. And that's very much what, what I was hoping Star Pilgrim would do for some people. Yeah, and I can see that. And it's just the comparison to uh, a space obviously comes up. As I was thinking about this since you asked me about it, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, in some ways you can't look at it like other films it doesn't have the same kind of plot structure no in some ways, they introduce initial characters and then they don't seem to go anywhere and it's about someone else and they die off and and star pilgrim it doesn't in every the book didn't go where i expected it to go in a narrative sense okay yes. there's a part where the priest um meets a lot of important people like world leaders and I thought okay this is where it's going now it's about his interaction with them and the alien 
ship. And yeah. then I don't want to give the, give it away, but it's really not that. You know, it, it goes off in, no. in quite a different direction. So it's not it's not your conventional story on the, on the level of narrative, but it's going to something deeper than that. Yes. Yeah. And it will speak to different people in different ways. Um, the responses I've had it, over the years, it's quite clear that different bits of the book touch different people very profoundly in ways that really surprised me that I wasn't expecting. Um, it's, it's a book that touches people um, in a million ways, from what I can gather anyway, from the feedback I've had over the years. Thank you very much for that, Simon. So we've discussed sci-fi and spirituality today, and some point soon I'm going to hopefully have you back on, because I know another big interest of yours and a big influence has been the, I'll use the word reality, of the alien contact experience and UFO sightings, and that was another influence both on your writing and on you personally. So um, sometime in the near future, I'd love to have you back on to, to talk a bit about that. I'll be delighted. Thank you, Simon. Okay, thank you very much.